Are you sure? Here's the 30 second lesson on what legends know. Never ask a bride why she's getting married. Don't wear a skirt on a windy day. Deodorant is not a shower. Don't sniff chili flakes. And don't forget, saving is not investing. Legends don't just save, they invest in mutual funds. Mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. Read all scheme-related documents carefully. Prime Minister Narendra Modi, as we know, is on his way to the UAE and to the Gulf in general. No surprise about his visit. It's an official visit, very high profile, much talked about. We also dedicated a full episode of Karta Kratar to this just a week back. And that one talked about the temple that at the inauguration of which he's going to be present the importance of a big Hindu temple opening in a fully Islamic country in a fully Islamic zone in the world. That has its significance and also of India's growing relationships in the Gulf. India for decades was suspicious. There was mutual suspicion between India and the Arabian Gulf countries. And because, because India was concerned about the Gulf countries, particularly the Saudi involvement in spreading Wahhabi Islam in many parts of India, but particularly in Kashmir, by default, India leaned towards the less Islamic Muslim countries, less Islamic Muslim majority countries in the region, that is Iraq and Egypt, both, as we mentioned to you in the earlier episode, run by uniformed, mostly uniformed dictators who pretended to be soldiers and who, who did not run their countries in the name of Islam. That said, this situation is now opening up. So no surprise about the PM going to UAE, no surprise about what's been going on between India and Saudi Arabia as well. In 2019, Saudi Arabia promised to invest $100 billion in India. Now UAE is talked about $50 billion. That said, the surprises come with the PM, and this is something you can see the announcements that MEA had put out. I will, I, I will share them with you on your screens on the PM's upcoming visit to UAE. There was no mention of his going to Qatar. And that has popped up just as the news of the release of the eight Indian Navy veterans, including several former personnel. In fact, several personnel and one sailor. So in the first conviction, they were all sentenced to death. This is serious business in Qatar. Qatar does not follow any Anglo-Saxon version of any law. It has its own law. They were sentenced to death. That caused a big concern in India. And there was also criticism of the government that they were not able to intervene in time to save them. The fact, however, is that the government has been able to, and we must acknowledge it, and that's a bit of opinion that comes in, because you must give credit where it's due. Because whatever the government might have done, it's been doing something behind the scenes, not in a manner that embarrasses Qatar in any way, but at the same time, getting their own purpose served, which in this case means getting these Indians out of jail and back home. So these Indians are out of jail, the Qatari Amir, the ruler, has pardoned them. He has the power to pardon them. He's the Badsha of Qatar or Amir of Qatar. He can do what he wants. He's pardoned them. Seven are back in India. Eight is there, presumably. He will also be back in India soon. Just as the news of their release came in, also came the news that the Prime Minister will be going to Qatar from UAE. So you can see, I think you can make a presumption 
reasonably safe. You can't be sure, but reasonably safe. This was not a pre-planned visit because if that was the case, MEA would have spoken about this. It, you can also presume that negotiations were going on back channel about this release, this pardon and release until the last moment. It's, and it's only when that was sealed that the prime minister decided to go to Qatar. That must have been part of the part of the deal also. So it's good that Indians are back. Seven of the eight are back. It, it, it will also be back soon enough. Big achievement. Diplomacy has worked. Also, this shows India's increased stature, improved stature and clout in the region because clout, clout comes not just from military power, not, not just from the power that I can come and bomb you or I can come and subvert you. No, it also comes from the size of your economy, what you can buy, what you can sell, what have you got that the other one doesn't have, what is the volume that you can buy from the other one that the other one will benefit from. So in this case, India has also renewed its old gas buying deal from Qatar. India buys a lot of LNG from Qatar traditionally for more than 20 years. This has now been renewed and the deal now has come to $78 billion. Now, don't tell me, don't tell me that this is blood money, that India is paying money to Qatar to get these people out. Qatar could have sold that gas elsewhere also or could have sat on that gas. Qatar is not a poor country. Qatar is not a country in need for money immediately. But these are deals useful deals between important countries. And these deals are also a gesture of goodwill. It's also gas that India needs. India is really energy starved and a lot of India's growth now depends on LNG because LNG is a much cleaner fuel than the other fossil fuels that we use. So to, that, to this extent, it's a win-win for both countries. Now, what exactly was the problem with these people? Why exactly were they convicted? Why, why exactly were they suspected, charged, convicted? So very little detail has come out. In fact, my colleague Snehesh Alex Philip, our defense editor, he's been trying to set up a discussion on this and he's been calling people, including MEA veterans. And one of the replies he got is something that I will share with you. He was told that, look, we are not sure anybody will come and talk about this for the simple reason that nobody knows very much about this. So that is the situation with MEA veterans. The fact is that this has been kept really under the wraps by Qatari authorities and by Indian authorities simply because any leakage might have jeopardized the fate of these eight Indian Navy veterans. So both countries have done a good job. As a journalist, I would have preferred to have the story, but you know, it's not always about the story. There are lives involved. So so both countries have kept this under the wraps. Now, the only thing that's come out is the Qataris never released any documentation on the charges against them or their equivalent of the charge sheet or the court judgments or any court arguments. They didn't release any of that, but they just made short statements. And some of those statements suggested that the Qataris were working in partnership with the European company mostly an Italian company that much is known, to build midget submarines. Midget submarines are small submarines, as, as the name indicates. Usually these are submarines that are so small and so quiet that they can sneak into highly protected harbors and play havoc there. Can you imagine the harassment potential of this, that there's a navy sitting, a fleet sitting in safe harbor, and there comes this 10, 10 meter, 15 meter, 20 meter, in this case, likely 23 meter 
small submarine, very quiet, with just about five or six people inside it, and with torpedoes and other explosives, and blows up a few ships. In fact, plants those or leaves charges there under some under some naval assets and escapes, and then later it blows up. It's a it has a big harassment potential. It's a big force multiplier. Now, not many countries in the world make these. In this case, looks like the Qataris, the Qatar Navy, was trying to develop these. Now, develop these is actually an exaggerated term because Qatar was not making these. These were being made by an Italian firm and the Qataris were trying to build them in partnership. It was for that project that Qatar Navy and their, and their production unit or design unit had engaged a bunch of contractors as all, as all arms manufacturers do. One of those contractors was a company run by an Omanese national. That company run by an Omanese national that had employed a bunch of these Indian Navy veterans who were working on this project. So the charge or charge as it was leaked by the Qatar authorities was that these Indian personnel, they had conspired to steal these cigarettes, allegedly conspired to allegedly steal these secrets and pass them on to the Israelis. Now that somehow does not stand to reason very much because it doesn't look like if the Israelis really want to build submarines like this, they need to steal those secrets from Qatar because they Israelis are good enough to steal them from Italy. In any case, Italy is not a country and any Western country will find it very difficult to keep these secrets for too long. Or Israelis could have gone and asked the Italians for it or they could have bought, bought this from the Italians. Would the Israelis then run an operation in Qatar, which is a country not hostile to them and I will come to that. It's a country not hostile to them. In fact, over the last several weeks, the chief of Mossad has been floating in and out of Qatar also. Qatar is a very interesting country and I will briefly talk about that as we go along. And would the Israelis then run this kind of an operation to get secrets that they could have got from Italy anyway, Italy or any of the other European countries, run this operation in Qatar and also jeopardize the lives of some of the veterans of a very friendly country, that is India. That is not something that would stand to reason. However, in the world of espionage, you don't know what happened. So I can't say anything, but to me, it sounds like not a very convincing explanation. Nevertheless, these officers were arrested, they were convicted, they were sentenced, and their lives have not been saved. So while this stuff has appeared in international press, I would say this is plain speculation and rumor mongering because from what I understand and what Snehesh gives me to, to understand, Indian Navy does not have a midget submarine project right now, at least at this point of time. So we don't quite know why these people were caught. It's also possible that this was some high level state to state game being played or some squeeze play going on. Nevertheless, what we have is we have a little bit of detail on what these submarines may be like. So I picked up most of it from a publication called navalnews.com and there is a 21st May 2021 article in navalnews.com by H.I. Sutton. H.I. Sutton is a well-acknowledged, internationally acknowledged byline on submarines, on naval submarines, combat submarines. There are also submarines or midget submarines these days that are made for super rich people who go, who, who go diving to look at interesting things like 
like the wreckage of the Titanic. You know that story. So H.I. Sutton is an internationally acknowledged expert on combat military submarines, naval submarines. So he tells us something about what these submarines might be and he says that Italians have kept this very secret. There is something going on and he says that some detail or some indications can be seen in a presentation made at the Italian parliamentary hearings on defense and technology research. He says many Italian companies are involved in building naval assets for Qatar. For example, Fincantieri is building four Doha-class corvettes and petrol boats and also a flat deck amphibious transport dock. Then he says that on 17th May 2021, at the Italian Parliamentary Committee hearing, the first public image of a midget submarine was shown. And this is a midget submarine shown by a company called C-A-T-T-A-N-E-O, Kabi Catanio. And he says this company, Kabi Catanio, is a well-established special forces submarine builder. Because these special forces, marine commandos can go in these midget submarines and they can sneak into harbors and they can also be taken by other larger vessels and then dropped off near combat zones far out in the oceans to do their mischief. So five or six of these marine commandos can come out, they can stick mines under ships, they can carry out sabotage, they can carry out all kinds of special operations. So he says this company, Kabi Cataneo, is a well-established special forces submarine builder. Another company, he says, another company it looks like got involved with probably Kabi Cataneo to build two of these midget submarines for Qatar. And the picture, he says, it describes the picture and you can see the picture on your screens. The picture, he says, is a smooth teardrop hull with shoulder-mounted hydroplanes and no sail. No sail also for confidentiality. You don't see a lot of the propelling equipment, etc. on the on the vessel, but you can see generally the shape and size of the vessel. He says the other company involved in this is M23 SRL and later he speculates that M23 might indicate that this vessel being made for Qatar is 23 meters long. Although the picture you see is just about 9.5 meters or 21 feet, but size can vary. This company M23 SRL, this is this is an offspring or offshoot of a well-known shipbuilder and submarine builder in Italy called GSE Trieste. In GSE, GSE stands for Giorno Santi Engineering. Giorno Santi is the founder and naval architect, well-known uh, naval architect in, in Italy and also the founder of the company. It's this company's offshoot M23 SRL that is apparently building these two midget submarines for Qatar. He tells us, you know, the arms bazaar globally has gone through many ups and downs. So after the Cold War, many of these old manufacturers, particularly in the Western world, they were left short of orders. So this company also, GSE, GSE also then started making, they were still making widget submarines, but they were making more of these for luxury, for luxury use by the super rich of the kind that we saw blow up while looking at the Titanic. So it was doing some of that stuff and then maybe as demand went up, it started doing some other stuff because many of the smaller countries now want midget submarines. Pakistan, for example, has an obsession with midget submarines. Even in the 1971 war, Pakistan employed midget submarines. They were not seen in combat anywhere, but they had them at that point of time. And that was a cause of concern for Indian Navy. Even now, Pakistan has four, they had three, all three of Italian origin, 
made by a company called Cosmos. Cosmos with it with this period before S. So C O S M O dot period S. Cosmos. These were sold to the Pakistanis 20 years ago. Then Pakistanis started working in partnership with Cosmos to build their own copies. They they had planned to complete one by 2016. They were able to complete one only by 2020. And then that project has more or less failed. That original project, the midget submarines that Pakistan had, these were called MG110X craft by the Pakistanis. The Pakistanis, because this project is not going anywhere now, the Pakistanis have now started a new joint venture, a new joint project for developing new midget submarines with a Turkish firm. The Turkish firm is STM. How far the project has gone, we do not know. Now, I can go into more details of the submarine, but we are not engineers and this is not for nerds. So if you want to read more, if you like more detail, I will share, share a link to H.I. Sutton's story with you. and There will be some other links there. You can see that. But let's go into the geopolitics of it just a little bit. What makes Qatar so important and so interesting and so powerful? It's a very small country. We have featured Qatar in two more episodes of Qatar Qatar Arnir, 654 and 931, and I will share the links with you. Qatar is half the size of Israel and 4%, just 4% of Israel's population. And Israel itself has a very small population, so just about 4 lakh people is what Qatar has. It is also the richest country in the world. It has a per capita income at any point of time between lakh and 40,000 to lakh and 50,000 dollars per year. That makes it more than twice as rich as America, one and a half times as rich as Switzerland, which at one point when we were children used to be the richest country in the world, 40% richer on a per capita basis than Singapore. And for whatever it's worth, more than or almost 60 times richer than India on a per capita basis. It's a very rich country. It's also a very strategically positioned country. So what is it that makes Qatar so powerful and so important? One is its geostrategic location because it is in the heart. It's, in, it's at the most key point of the Persian Gulf or Arabian Gulf, whatever you might call it. Everybody wants to be there. So geostrategic location. Second, it has geostrategic resources. It has gas. So it owns it owns a large part of an island which it shares with Iran. What is this island? This island is basically like this island is basically a geological cap on top of the world's biggest gas field. In this gas field, Qatar's share is 18 trillion cubic feet. 18 trillion cubic feet. Iran's share in comparison is 6,000 trillion cubic feet. Even that's a lot of gas. Now this gas is a strategic asset. But because today, for example, with Russia sanctioned by the European countries, they are depending on Qatar to make up for their energy needs. India depends on Qatar heavily for its energy needs. So the first is the geostrategic location. Second is its geostrategic resources. And third is its geostrategic mindset. So Qatari rulers and diplomats are very fleet-footed. So if you look at Qatar today, the top leadership of Muslim Brotherhood lives in and out of Qatar. The top leader of Hamas lives in Qatar. At the same time, top American diplomats come to Qatar to make deals to bring about a ceasefire deal between Israel and Hamas. The chief of Mossad also visits Qatar to find some way of getting their hostages out from, from Hamas. It's in Qatar 
that the family of Osama bin Laden lives. They've given them refuge or they treat them as honored guests in a way. It's in Qatar, in Doha, that the talks between the Taliban and the Americans and the Pakistanis took place. So Qataris it is who brokered or midwife those talks and that agreement, which ultimately brought the Taliban into power. Maybe not in the manner that everybody expected, but that's how it happened. Qatar was, Qatar was the place and Qatar, Qatar is where a lot of the Taliban leader and their families also live. At the same time, Qatar is also the place where the US Central Command, which oversees all of the Middle East, it has its forward headquarters and also its combined air operations center, one of its largest air bases anywhere. All of this becomes possible because of these three attributes that I mentioned earlier. One, geostrategic location. Second, geostrategic resources. And third, a geostrategic mindset. And I think what's happened in this case, the release of these Indian veterans, is a result of the last two. That is geostrategic resources, of which India is a very big customer. And second, because of the geostrategic open-mindedness. Because Qatar is a country always willing to make a deal.